Welcome to The Satisfaction Project, your adults-only guide to independent sex professionals with Aussie escort Georgie Wolfe. Welcome to episode 15 of The Satisfaction Project. If you're struggling with insecurity in the bedroom, if you're getting over a bad experience or you have a sexual secret that you need to get off your chest, sex workers can be amazing. They can be a great way to grow your confidence, feel better about yourself and learn more about lovemaking too. But they're not the only option, nor are they always the best option. This episode I'm speaking with Dr. Sarah Ashton from SHIPS to explore why and when you might want to see a therapist before booking a sex worker. I'm really excited about this discussion. Dr. Sarah Ashton is amazing. She's a registered psychologist, board approved supervisor, a researcher, and the director and founder of SHIPS, which provides sexual health and intimacy psychological services in Melbourne, Australia. We had a really good discussion about some of the problems that often come up for people in their sex lives and why a professional such as a therapist or psychologist might actually be the first stop before you choose to see a sex worker. Now, obviously, because we're talking about sexual issues such as sexual trauma and dysfunction, some people might find this episode a bit hard. Feel free to skip it if it's not for you. But if it is an area of interest, I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this. Before we dive in, here are our regular disclaimers. Firstly, we don't speak for all sex workers. This is an opinion-only zone. Second, there's no legal advice here either. It's your job to know your local laws and follow them. And lastly, remember that everyone does things their own way. So no matter what, please follow your workers' advice. Sarah. It's really nice to meet you. We've never met before, but I've heard a lot about your work and a lot about your practice. Thanks so much for joining us for this chat. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, I think this is a really important um, chat to be having. And I'm, you know, really excited to have the opportunity to sort of delve a little bit deeper into, um, into this topic and see if there's some helpful information that might emerge in your community of listeners. I have a feeling, I've just got this feeling that some very helpful information is about to emerge. <laughs> and I guess the reason I've been so excited about this one is because I've been working as a sex worker for about 10 to 12 years. And of course, I love it. And I think it's really useful. It's an amazing way to you know, to explore and to help my clients explore. And I've done some really good work, but then I've also listened to a lot of people's stories and people have presented with a lot of different kind of situations and difficulties. And sometimes I just think, mate, you probably need to talk to your therapist first. <laughs> and it comes up quite a lot, but in fact, a lot of people don't have therapists. I have a therapist, she's wonderful, but not everyone does. And not everyone realizes that that's an option. So I'm really excited about this opportunity to talk about um, therapy and sex therapy um, and get your professional input on, you know, on why and how how this kind of stuff and this kind of service could fit in. If you're, uh, as a listener, if you're seeing sex workers, if you're struggling with things, working out who the right person is to talk to, mm. whether it's your sex worker, whether it's your therapist, whether it's both. Yeah, mm. it's interesting stuff. Mm. Yeah, I think I've I've thought a lot about the the crossover between sex work and and therapy, um, like as in talk therapy, and 
there's there's so many there's so many similarities because we are both occupying uh, intimate uh, space um, for for money, right? <laughs> um, for mm-hmm. you know, and and we provide that for um, the, the, we give our clients the privilege of entering into this this intimate space, um, and and it's so important to you know, for our own well-being to be able to negotiate the boundaries of what that type of emotional, um, physical, um, mental, psychological labour will be part of the space and our offering, you know. Um, And so I think that, you know, this is a really interesting question because I think it sort of delves into um, the important consideration of of boundaries um, and and also the important consideration of safety and and care yes. both both for a sex worker and also for a client um, and and I think that there's no there's no really straightforward way to <laughs> to negotiate this I actually think that it is a um, it is navigated through asking really important reflective questions, um, mm. you know, both for yourself and and also for the client as well. So hopefully we can kind of, you know, name what some of those are so you can sort of, you know. Um, oh, a good process. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Um, mm. Now I'm really aware of your background and what you do mm. and what you do is awesome, um, but our listeners might not be. So would you mind just giving us a little bit of um, information about um, your qualifications and what you do before we get stuck into the juicy stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a registered psychologist. I've been practicing for about 14 years um, and I'm also a member of the Society of Australian Sexologists and I'm the director and founder of Sexual Health and Intimacy Psychological Services or otherwise known as SHIPS. Um, so we're um, a uh uh, inclusive practice, so inclusive of marginalised communities, including sex workers, the LGBTIQ plus community, people who practice kink um, or um, ethical non-monogamy. So um, we consciously try and um, think about the way that we uh, um, educate ourselves and um, provide spaces so that um, we are not furthering stigmatization um, and marginalization within healthcare um, and and kind of outwardly you know um, state our values so that we can let people know that you know there's an element of safety in coming to work with us because we we've done our work um, and we're not going to pathologize your work your you know relationship your lifestyle choice you know um, so this is I've always been absolutely fascinated by sex and sexuality um and we have that in common for sure yeah (laughs) um on on many levels but I suppose you know on an intellectual level I I did a PhD and I explored um the nuances of pornography and people's experience with that um but after I did that what really stood out for me was the need for safe inclusive spaces to have conversations about sex and so that's why I started ships I started three years ago now we have a beautiful team of 23 people and um yeah we're um able to service um and provide support for um thousands of people within the community which is um just fills my heart with 
um, absolute joy. Yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of the perfect folks to talk to about sex work. And I know, and I know this from seeing therapists and I've seen a lot of therapists over the years. I love, I love a good, um, you know, a good habit of seeing a good therapist. It's great, but uh, not everyone is across sex work. In fact, I would say that most people in mental health are across sex work. Um, and yeah, I've had some really awkward conversations and I can't imagine if someone was seeing sex workers, because of course there's a huge stigma, you know, um, how someone who sees sex workers might feel about trying to get therapy and then admitting to their therapist, yes, I do this this thing, that my sex life has this kind of aspect to it that people see as really bad. Mm. Yeah. But it yeah. sounds like you deal with a lot of people who have, um, you know, alternative, alternative sexual practices, who have sexual practices that are stigmatised or judged um, and this is kind of the safe space for them. Yeah, that's right. And And I guess the thing is that because we this is, we wear our values, you know, um, uh, for everyone to see them. <laughs> we advertise ourselves in, in that way. People do actually come, you know, to therapy and they they don't carry that caution. You know, they just assume, oh, well, your ship's so, you know, you're, I don't need to worry about that, which is actually is just what you do. Such, a, such a relieving thing. And oftentimes we spend time processing the perhaps not so great experiences they might have had before that. Mm. Um, I also do a lot of work um, like training for psychologists uh, in um, the area of sex and sexuality, but also in around inclusivity. So, and, and the thing that I find is that, you know, we live in a culture that shames and stigmatizes sex and to a significant degree, sex workers really kind of, they're kind of, the ones who hold that right like oh. that's where people are direct a lot of their their um all the shadow and misunderstanding and well, all the kind of shit yeah all, all of stuff. that you know it just kind of lands there and so um what ends up happening is that if we don't reflect on the messages that we've um, received about sex and sexuality and our our own attitudes towards that as therapists then that ends up coming out as being as judgment shame for our clients right so in my opinion it's our you know responsibility professionally to reflect on that so that we show up in a way that is helpful for clients so I do a lot of work with therapists basically to try and raise the bar for healthcare so that you know because in my opinion you know when people walk through the door they should expect that a therapist is going to be they should be able to say I'm a sex worker and, and that that's safe. It should be you know? fine. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But of course that's not the experience. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, judgment about sex work and sex workers and judgment on sex work clients is not about other people. Um, it's also sometimes about us as a sex worker. I struggle with feeling the weight of that whole, you know, women shouldn't do this and women shouldn't have too much sex. And then I, I know that um, clients who see escorts and sex workers um, also struggle with, oh, I feel like a bad person, even though I just don't think I'm doing anything wrong. So we all carry this kind of judgment around, right? It's not mm. just about trying to get the people that are being nasty mm. about it to stop. It's also just about our own our own stuff. A hundred percent. And that's really what I think is so important to to normalise when we're talking about this. Because if we, if we just kind of condemn um, people who are not inclusive or stigmatising, then it doesn't really, we're not calling them in. We're not giving them the opportunity to understand and reflect, you know, um, and it's not going to result in change. 
you know, if you if you just make people feel bad about what they're doing, they don't want to look at it. <laughs> they don't want to right. look on it. They don't, they don't want to do better. So if we really want things to be better, we need to we need to humanize what, that this is actually something that we we all have internalized where it's it's a cultural problem it's not an individual problem Mm. and the most important thing is that we can recognize the thing that we've internalized we can recognize those judgments that we you know that we have about ourselves that we direct towards ourselves and that we direct towards other people once we're consciously aware of that that's when we can we can move beyond it you know um and if we're but if we're not if we have lots of shame attached to it or, you know, loss of judgment attached to the fact that we have those values, you know, or, or we've, we've internalised that, then we don't see it and that's the problem. Right. The, they're not seeing it as the problem. Admitting that this stuff is there is the hardest step and the biggest step for sure. Yeah, mm. yep. and I think it's something we should all tackle and I think if you're a client who's listening, it's something that's really worth tackling um, and I've talked about this quite a lot but, you know, shame, shame being such a big issue. Um so I'd love to unpick that a bit more with you. But um, I, I'm also mindful that maybe some people listening maybe have never seen a therapist before and maybe might not be familiar with some of the terms we might be using in terms of like, um, you know, uh, therapist, psychologist, sex therapist. Like what's, what's the difference mm. between a therapist and a psychologist? What's the difference between a therapist and a sex therapist? Um, I know there'll be a lot of people who've never heard the phrase mm. sex therapist before either. Like, yeah. Can you give us a rundown? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that as a client or as someone who goes to see any kind of practitioner, any health practitioner, it it is really important to be armed and empowered with knowledge about what it is that you're, you can expect from the person that you're seeing. Mm. Um, so essentially sex work, uh, sorry, uh, sex therapy is a umbrella term that refers to um, different types of discipline approach to uh, understanding sex and sexuality and working with sexual issues. So, uh, and there are different qualifications and pathways. So, for instance, there can be um, a GP who is a sex therapist, right? So mm-hmm. they've trained, they've um, uh, they've qualified as um, a general practitioner and then they've done some work to kind of do training in, in sex therapy, um, just be skilled in that area. O- alternatively, some people just do a like you know one year course and then they call themselves a sex therapist and they don't have any that like that's the extent of their training right if you see a psychologist then they've done a minimum of six years training um, and they also report to a professional body um, opera in australia and that means that all of the work that they do are regulated is regulated so there's ethical standards, there's standards around training and around the way that we are responsible for treating clients. Um, and and also uh, psychologists are um, covered by the Medicare system, which means that if you see a psychologist for a sexual issue or for any other issue, you are, um, are eligible for a rebate so it can be more affordable. Um, and uh, so a therapist a therapist um can be anyone who's done a counseling course so again that can be you know um a couple of years up to like also psychologists can refer to themselves as as therapists that's another umbrella term like somebody who does talk therapy to help people get better kind of thing you know um so really what you're wanting to look at in terms of um understanding 
what you need and what you would prefer from the person that you work with is their their qualifications and the sorts of um, techniques and modalities that they might use in order to treat the issue that you you want some support with. And that can be hard because sometimes people don't really know what the actual issue is, you know. And, in fact, oh, it's that's... available. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so sometimes it it's a, you have to do a little bit of hunting around first to figure out what is the actual thing that I need support with so that I can find the person who, who does that really well. Um, so... At, at SHIPS, what we, we are psychologists who um, practice in the space of sex therapy. So, but we use psychological modalities and techniques to treat these issues. We treat the whole person, not mm-hmm. just the symptoms, not just the sexual issues or not just the intimacy issues or not just the, right. the mental health issues. We look at the underlying cause and we treat the, the, the whole issue, the whole, the whole person. So, and also we're using um, modalities, we're using treatment that have been researched and has been found to be effective. Um, So we're backed up by, and we have an ethical obligation to only use um, evidence-based frameworks and treatment in order to address issues. So we have to say, we think that this is going to be effective. It's not just like what we feel like doing or what we, you know, we have to constantly be evaluating, does this work? Does this work for the client and what they need? What you say yeah. is kind of interesting because I think that often when it comes to sex problems, if we're having problems in the bedroom, um, particularly if it's body-related stuff, we're having a re- a re- if we're having erectile problems or performance problems or anxiety, like often the focus is on, just fixing that problem as quickly as possible so we can get back to having more sex. But actually, you're right, it is more holistic. If if you have a huge anxiety problem with sex to the point where you can't get an erection, for example, it, the, 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 the best solution often is not going to be just, a, you know, a quick mantra so you can get in the right place. It's going to be actually asking the hard questions like, well, how did this develop and when did it start and what else was going on in our heads at the time, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's more complicated, right? Yeah, and usually, in fact, most of the time, I when I see someone who's having, you know, one of the issues that you mentioned, what I look at is their early attachment experiences because our early experiences, they form the blueprint for how we see ourselves and how we see other people and how we see the world and we develop everything based on that. And so usually there is a link between those early experiences and how we formed our sense of ourself and the current issue that we're having, you know, um, and, and also alongside that, all the kind of beliefs that we've developed about sex and sexuality along the way, other traumas that we've experienced in our life, and then how we've developed as a person and how that interacts with the other persons or persons that we have involved in the sexual experience or, or a relational experience and then all the broader environmental social factors which feed into that i.e you know if you're in an environment which shames and stigmatizes you you might feel really distressed and guess what that has nothing to do with that's not a problem with you that's that's a, that's that's a problem a with the world right yeah. right so so what we do is we try and make sense of all of that, the bigger picture, put all of those pieces in together and figure out where is this actually coming from and how can we how can we effectively treat where it's coming from, 
not just give you a quick solution to kind of, you know, try and get an erection or something like that, you know, because that's that might work for a bit. For some people it, it, it does, but it may there may be something else which crops up in the future, you know, that causes an even bigger problem if we don't go and fix the thing that is actually, you know, causing the problem on a deeper level. And it could be a totally, a completely unrelated thing or a thing that looks unrelated, like, oh, occasionally can't get a election, an election, I can't get an election. <laughs> we're, we're getting an election. That's, that's, that's not the topic today. Uh, for people in the US, our, our federal election just got called. So that's clearly on my mind. There's a Freudian slip for you. Um, but not getting an erection, for example, could be could lead to, oh, I'm actually really depressed or my my relationship with my partner isn't right and that needs work that we both need to do or there's so much to it. And I guess kind of listening to you and feeling, really feeling into how complicated this stuff can be, I'm really feeling the weight of that because I feel like sometimes when clients come to me, they bring all that stuff with them. And and I know I can, you know, I'm reasonably perceptive. I can pick up on the fact that there's a lot going on for this person. Uh, and I'm not I'm not equipped to unpick all of that. I'm equipped to deliver really specific sexual services and emotional support up to a certain point. But I'm just I'm not equipped to to handle that that amount of stuff. Um one one client in particular comes to mind uh and it's, it was actually a bit of a sad story. So about 10 years ago, I was working in a brothel. Loved it. It was great. It's so much fun. It was right next to Macca's. Uh, that, that probably doesn't, it's probably not important. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. Oh, and Access to food is very important. The location, location. There, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, this gentleman used to come in regularly to see me and he was just really lovely. He was really young. Um, he was just really gentle and beautiful. And, you know, we had a nice time and he'd come back the next month. And um you know, we got to chatting after a while. I said, hey, so like, you know, what got you started coming here? Because I love hearing those stories. And he said, oh, well, actually, um, so, you know, like I had a girlfriend that I really loved and she died and I just haven't, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to start dating again. Like it's just, it's too hard. So this, you know, this takes care of my needs. This is, you know, this feels like the right way to go. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. That's awful. And he was so, he looked so stricken. He looked so... Um, you know, it was it was clearly just super traumatic for him. And I said, you know, when when did she pass? He said, oh, it was about eight years ago. And at that point, I really wanted to say, mate, like, of course, grief goes on forever, right? But also, like, I felt like he needed to talk to someone and that I was not the person that he should have been talking to. Mm. So I kind of feel like sometimes people bring problems to us that that are too big for us, that are too big for sex workers, that really should be should be going to you guys. And I'd, I'd love to figure out a way for people to, you know, to work out, you know, when is the problem too big? When when do you, do, you know, when do you need a therapist, mm. you know? Yeah. I think that, um, that that's a really important question. And maybe I, an, an easier way to answer it is to go, what are the boundaries around what I can and I'm, what I'm willing right. to offer? What yeah. can I do and what can't I do and what can you yeah. do and can't yeah. you do? And there'll be and not, some overlap. And not just what can I do as in what am I skilled to do, mm-hmm. but what sits in alignment with the allocation of energy, emotional energy um, and space that I am willing to give with respect for my own self, my own life, mm-hmm. my other clients, my other yep you know, people that I have in my life, my other needs, you know, um, because 
there you do not hold responsibility for you know helping clients with these issues it could be a super nice thing to say hey like you know this seems really important maybe seeing a therapist would be a great idea you know um but but you even you know you being responsible for them getting to that point also not yours to hold you know there are people walking around you know all over the place who really need therapy <laughs> you know and <laughs> I can and, look I'll put my hand up for that too <laughs> <laughs> yeah and same for me right like but it's actually all our own responsibility to 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 seek that out you know we're all on our own healing journey you know and sometimes there are beautiful moments where people help us to see that you know um and but sometimes people don't want to see it you know sometimes mm-hmm. even if if you were you know seeing a client and you knew that they really needed therapy you know and you said to them hey like I think this would be a great idea they may not listen to you they may not want to see it because you know doing doing work on yourself and looking inward and um you know traipsing through your history or the things that that hurt or the things that you don't want to see about yourself that's that it's hard it's hard it's so hard Mm. And, and it takes so much willingness to do that. So we all have very artful ways of blocking out or avoiding, you know, things that we don't want to see, you know. And so, yeah, people, people, people don't go to therapy until they're ready to go to therapy, you know. And just because someone's not ready to go to therapy does not mean that you, you know, as a sex worker need to hold their healing. That's not no. your job. And, in fact, it can get quite difficult. So if someone's going through a really difficult experience like a divorce or they've had a trauma, um, you know, you can feel that vibe in the room when you meet Mm. someone or when you're getting sexy with Mm. someone. If they're carrying a lot of stuff, it feels like this big emotional weight. And what I've found is it can actually kind of crush the joy out of a good sex work session. So Mm. that, that weight of whatever it is can feel really oppressive and really overwhelming for the worker. And then mm. what might happen is um, if you, the client, bring all that stuff to the session or maybe you spend the whole session talking to your worker about all your problems and then they're kind of crushed and emotionally drained and they may not see you again. They may mm. find you really hard work. Mm. And, you know, even if they do listen and they're wonderful, it feels like a bit of a risk to me because bringing such big problems to someone who isn't necessarily the right person, uh, you know, that worker could just wander off and quit the biz and start another job or whatever, which happens, and then suddenly your single source of support is gone. Mm. Uh, obviously therapists can retire too, mm. but it tends to be a slower process. So the, the, it feels like there's a lot of risk around this kind of scenario, risk that um, the worker might be overwhelmed, risk that you'll just have a really shitty mm. time because all these unspoken heavy traumatic feelings are just getting in the way of everyone actually relaxing and connecting. Mm. And then also risk that if you become reliant on your sex worker to be your emotional support, that person isn't going to be around forever. Mm. Um, and then then you'll be left without without a really important support. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think I think the the difficult thing is that because you know physically sex is a, a an intimate, vulnerable space that can actually be really triggering of intimate, vulnerable feelings or perhaps, you know, um, things that you weren't even aware of um, that have been shut down for for a long time, you know. Um, And so I think that sometimes 
you know, unexpectedly, uh, you know, emotions can come to the surface um, or different realizations can come to the surface during, during sexual experiences. I think that, you know, one of the ways that, that I like to think about it, especially because you know, I spend a lot of time sitting in rooms with people who are really upset, you know, um, <laughs> and or, or sitting imagine. on a sitting on a you know virtual room more more recently, um, you know, I think it's so important to think about how you're, you know, you as someone who's sitting in that space, how you're holding your yourself in relation to that other person because there are ways to be compassionate there are ways to sit with someone without taking on their their emotional experience without taking it in to you and and yeah. into your nervous system and into Becoming your your mind exactly exactly you know so so as as psychologists we learn lots and lots of different techniques for for kind of you know being able to stay focused on our job rather than become immersed in the and, and overwhelmed by the emotional experience of the client. Because if we did, we wouldn't be able to, to do our job. You'd be burnt you know? out in a week. You'd be 100%. Done. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like there's a gendered component to this. And and this obviously there will be people listening who aren't hetero, all that kind of stuff. But I do feel like this there's this kind of cultural idea that men are only allowed to open up to women that they're fucking mm-hmm. and that women are supposed to provide endless emotional labor and you know I feel it in myself if I see someone that's sad or upset I feel like I have to fix it I have to be the person that looks after them I have you know sometimes with very little regard for what I want or whether I need to put some boundaries down and you know obviously there'll be exceptions to this I don't want to overgeneralize but I worry sometimes that um straight uh bloke bloke clients straight guy clients might feel like the only people they can talk to is their sex worker because of this cultural idea that we're not allowed to discuss our feelings with anyone else, only the people we get naked with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's so important to to look back into our experiences of being socialised, into being a person, being, you know, being a woman, being a man, being, you know, a, you know um, a person that exists in this world with an identity attached to it. And to understand what what we have been taught about what makes us important, how we exist in relation to other people, what makes um, what makes relationships work, and what keeps us safe and and peaceful, right? And so, a lot of the time, subconsciously, um, you know, we might absorb ideas about, you know, I need to. I need to be the one to do, you know, the emotional labor in in a dynamic in a relationship. I need to sacrifice my needs so that the other person is okay. That makes me a good person. Mm. I need to, um, you know, uh, suppress any any feelings and reactions that I have that might upset the the other person. Right. So right. Th- these are all th- ways that we adapt to the the circumstances that we're born into the the caregiver relationships that we have and it's that not always then, gendered either no so, no no so. not absolutely gender is part of it and I think that there's a lot of um you know we look to our parents as role models for how we function essentially and and we connect that with gender identity and and particularly like relational identity like what it means to be you know a woman in a relationship with a man, for instance, mm-hmm. and what what that looks like, you know. But we also, more importantly, 
um, you know, we learn how to function and stay attached to other people and the conditions of that. And it is like there's probably, I would say, I, I don't think that there's any research that's been done on this, but I'd say it's probably more likely that, you know, cis women have um, self-sacrificing um, tendencies within relational dynamics. But I definitely see see cis men who do, you know, yeah. um, and non-binary people who do and, you know, like. And non-straight people who have, also, you know, have this kind of stuff too. It's not always about. Yeah. 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 So mm. it's, I think that, you know, all of these factors are worth considering when you're making sense of, and, and this is the most useful thing to do, you know, is to make sense of, you know, yourself and where you have learnt how to, you know, connect with and be with other people, you know, um, and, and, and this is, this is for sex workers. This is for clients as well, right? right? You know, this is, good um, stuff. this is for all humans, you know, this is what helps us to, to occupy the spaces that we want to in the world in the way that we want to in a sustainable and healthy way. What might those questions look like for someone who's never done therapy before? Um, you know, but they're like, oh, something's going on. I'm feeling stuff or, okay, well, my last session felt a bit complicated. What, where do we start around that? What, what kind of questions do we ask ourselves? Mm. So I think the first questions that, that I'd be asking is, you know, what, what feelings are you left with? You know, what are the emotional feelings that you're, that you're left with after that session? And what thoughts are attached to those? And have you felt and thought those things before and when? Is there a pattern? Is there a pattern there? Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, you, you know, you might sort of go, oh, I'm feeling really burdened, you know, and and you might notice the thought, well, they were, you know, that was a lot of work. They were really, you know, they were really difficult. You noticed that before? Oh, yeah, actually, that's usually the case when I have sessions with clients or when I hang out with friends or when I hang out with this family member or whatever. Actually, yeah, it's kind of consistent in my relationship. Okay, what what might be underneath that? What beliefs about myself or the way that I need to be in relationships might be underneath that, you know? A friend of mine likes to say, what's the story I'm telling myself that I don't even realise I'm telling myself? What's the voice in my head saying in the background that what's the story I'm making up to explain this situation? And yeah. sometimes it's, oh, you're a terrible person. You're never going to be good at anything. Sometimes it's, oh, they're judging you. Mm. Um, you'll never, yeah. you know, you'll never find love. It could just depend, right? Mm. We've mm. all got these little yeah. voices in our heads chattering away all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then the question from there is, where did you learn that story? And is it true? Like, and also, newsflash, it's never true. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, never like the our, whole truth. No, it, well, our thoughts our thoughts are just that. They're not the truth. They're our thoughts. They're generated from somewhere, but they're not necessarily indicators of truth, you know. So we, you know, what is really powerful and, and what we work on in therapy is essentially you being able to be aware of, you know, aware of your thoughts, aware of where they come from, and then being able to interact with them. So that that's not the reality which ends up being, you know, the reality that you live in or, the, the, yeah, that takes over. So you can interact and so you have control over it. And then 
you might start to have new experiences and new thoughts and new ways of operating, you know. So, yeah, really important to first to first notice, you know, and then yeah. to interrogate, you know. Like you were saying at, mm. at the beginning, noticing what's going on is sometimes the biggest part of solving the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to interrupt this podcast for a second to remind you about something really important. I'm recording this on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. It is stolen land, and I'd like to acknowledge that to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. And I know we're being pretty general. Um, I don't know if maybe you could give us some examples of, in terms of um, sex therapy type stuff, and I certainly, I could reel off a whole list of things that I've seen with clients where I'm like, oh, maybe you need a bit of extra help. But in terms of people that come to see you, could you give us some examples of the kind of stuff people might be struggling with? Whole range of really, really interesting <laughs> interesting things. So, um, yeah, so lots of different sexual difficulties like erectile difficulties, difficulties with orgasm, difficulties vaginismus. with vaginismus, yeah, vulvodynia, any other kinds of sexual pain-related things, so dyspareunia, um, and uh, a lot, a lot of sexual trauma, unfortunately, um, or trauma that impacts on sex, sexual anxiety, um, yeah. sexual sexual addictions, uh, sexual addictions of lots of different types. So any type type of behaviour that feels like it's sort of you know you don't feel like you have control over and that you do repeatedly to get a you know, as a coping quite, quite a high. Yeah, as a coping yeah, mechanism. Yeah, coping or, mechanism. Yeah. Or, um, and, um, you know, people who are exploring their sexuality or exploring their gender identity, mm. um, people who are navigating um, different structures in relationships um, and, you know, just exploring what, what they need in that way, people who are having difficulties in relationships um that's pretty general but that's like most people um right. yeah <laughs> and it's kind um, of sounds like it's not always about having a problem like sure mm. sometimes we do have issues where we're like oh this this means something is wrong but sometimes it's just I want to explore myself or I want to know myself mm. better or there's this thing I'm mm. interested in and I'm I need support that kind of situation mm. yeah I suppose that you know a lot of the time people um, might have noticed that they sort of repeatedly experience something that they don't like. You know, that's probably a general way of explaining it or that doesn't really sit in alignment with who they want to be or what they want for their lives. And there's a reason why that's happening. And so seeing, you know, a psychologist can help you to to understand why that's the case and to actually kind of change it, you know. Um, so that that's pretty broad. Um, but... Uh, you know, a, a lot of things fall into it. And the thing is people come and they say, you know, I need help for, you know, um, painful sex. And really because we look at the whole person, we look at everything that connects with it, then eventually we end up doing some like trauma processing from like a trauma that happened when they were like five years old or whatever because that's the right. root of the, you know, that's the real root of the problem mm-hmm. or whatever. So the actual therapy then is focused on something entirely different. So, you know, um, that's why. I predict. Yeah, yeah. It's really, um, it, 
and that's what I mean going back to like, you know, who should you see? It's really important to understand what you actually need treatment for to in order to, you know, to understand what you need. And a lot of the time, some of the clients that come to us have actually seen like many therapists beforehand and now they finally nutted it down. They're like, no, 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 I need, I need this, you know, I need this support and I've seen that you use this technique and I think that's going to be really helpful, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think understanding what you actually need is the first step. It's quite a big, uh, quite a big process figuring this stuff out. And then, mm. like you said, a big process, maybe even finding the right therapist and working out what kind of like modality you need or that kind of thing. And then mm. in the case of someone who sees sex workers, maybe figuring out if the therapist is safe, is a safe person to talk to about the fact that they're mm. uh, involved with sex workers at all. So there's quite mm. a bit of steps. And I know, you know, some people kind of assume that psychologists and therapists are like all knowing um, sort of beings where you turn up and they immediately just read your mind and tell you what's wrong with you <laughs> and then you're done. But actually, you know, we're all human beings and it can take a while to find the right person. Yeah. It can. And it can take a while to build a bond with a psychologist. You know, it can take a while to, for them to know you enough to figure out what it is that you need to do to work together, you know? So, you know, I think that it's, first of all, really important that you know that if you want to see someone that you can, like the first session, you know, or the first couple of sessions is also about you kind of testing them out. You know, if you are unsure, for instance, if um, what attitude a practitioner has towards sex workers, like if they're safe or not, you can you can ask to have a quick phone call and ask them what their values are. Ask Without them what they're the understanding. Yeah. 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 Um, so if they don't say anything about it, then you absolutely, you, you ask about it, you know, and have a bit of a chat with them um, so that you can figure out or, you know, and if they're saying things like, oh, I'm not really sure or like I've never really done that before, well, that might not be a safe person, you know. Right. But if they, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if they're saying things like, yeah, you know, I've, you know, I've worked with sex workers before, you know, I think it's really important that we you know, um, support sex workers and don't pathologize the, the work that they do. That's some, you know, some good signs that maybe that person, you know, might be safe. Um, but it, it, it is totally your right and to, you know, to expect that and, and to investigate whether that's the case. And as I'm saying this, I just feel really sad that that is, that is something that, yeah, <laughs> that is yep. needed because ideally it would just be that all practitioners are properly educated around this and that they, you know, are not going to be um, stigmatizing. So, unfortunately, practitioners mm. have their own hang-ups about sex too. So yeah. it's difficult. Now, I am just imagining a client going and trying to talk to their therapist about about them seeing escorts or seeing sex workers or going to brothels and feeling judged and how terrible that would be and how hard mm. it is to open up to people and then also the experiences I've had as, as a sex worker going mm. and talking to a psychologist or therapist and having them just totally drop the ball on mm. the sex work stuff and usually the red flag for me was when I I came out to them as a sex worker and they would say you know of course none of them went well that's terrible and I'm going to sit here in judgment of you but they would say oh I've never met a sex worker before mm. and at that point first they want mm. to say yes you have 
you have. Um, but mm-hmm. also it just it means they're not necessarily a safe person. And maybe the same applies to clients too. If you say to a, a um, therapist, I see sex workers and they, you know, they might, they might judge you. It might depend on the person. They might be vocal mm-hmm. in their judgment because there's a lot of stigma. Or they might say, oh, wow, I've, okay, well, that's new for me. I've never met anyone who mm-hmm. sees sex workers. They have. They just don't mm. know. So yeah. uh, they're, they're no longer a particularly safe person. I considered that a red flag mm. because uh, sex mm. workers are everywhere and people who see sex workers are everywhere. And anyone yeah. who um, who hasn't had that experience to me doesn't have the the mm. experience they need to be a safe person. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. I get quite ser- feel quite serious about this. Yeah. 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 And, and also something else to kind of watch out for, I suppose, is – um, you know, if they in any way imply that that's a problem <laughs> or that it's, it's, it's linked to the, the problem that you've like, let's just say that you oh, were, that's you know, thing. seeking help to, for anxiety. And then they sort of, Oh, do you think that, you know, your sex work is related to your anxiety? Like if, oh if, that's, God. if that's the question that they ask, you know, um, this happens yeah. to fat people all the time. Yeah. Oh, I've come in because um, I think I've sprained my ankle. Oh, well, it must be to do with your weight. We'd better look at your weight now. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. I tripped on the gutter. Um, and this happens a lot to people around sexual stuff too, mm-hmm. right, because it takes over people's minds and then all they can think about is the sexy stuff. And, of course, they just keep coming back to it and assuming that it's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. And and so what in, instead what you might be looking for is someone who says, you know, is that something you want to talk about? You know, is is what do you want me, you know, what would you feel comfortable sharing about that? You know, what would you like me is to know? Is it relevant to this? Is it, re- or is it relevant no? to this? Like them asking you, you know, for your meaning that you have attached to it, for the role that it plays for you in your life, you know, and and asking you to, you know, be the one to navigate the process of sharing that or not, you know. So and sharing so that, what feels comfortable because you don't have to share yeah. everything with your therapist. If you don't feel no. safe sharing certain things, there's no obligation to just lay all your cards on the table. No. And and I also think it's really important to know that, you know, you are also not responsible for educating a therapist either. Like they should not be turning around and saying, oh, I've never met a sex worker before. Can you tell me about, you know. Mm, because I charge does, for that. How does that work, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like like out mm-hmm. of out of curiosity to, un, to understand and gain information for themselves rather than for the purpose of your therapy. That That's should really never be inappropriate. the case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good point. And sometimes we miss these things because when we go to someone with a problem, we really hope that they're going to be able to help us. So even if things start mm. to look a little bit off, we might hang in there a bit and hope that we're going to get back on track. And then, of course, mm. later we realise that we should have just shut the whole thing down and quit while we were ahead. But it's hard to know. And, you know, if that happens to you, it's not your fault. We all try and get the care we need. And, you know, other human beings are not always reliable. Sometimes we do get dropped a bit. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, it's just useful to know for yourself, you know, and to evaluate, and again, to think about after the session, like, how did that feel for me? You know, you know, was I left feeling, you know, how does my nervous system, how does my body feel? Do I feel safe? Do I feel understood? You know, um, and you're in charge, you make the choice. If something doesn't feel good to you, then, you know, 
that's not the person for you. That's not the therapist for you, yeah. you know, because when you do find a good therapist, oh, <laughs> it's a good feeling best thing in the world and it, <laughs> and it is so helpful. So it is as unfortunate as it is that, you know, you might need to go through the process of finding the right person and maybe along the way not having some great experiences. Once you do, you know, it's, um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm biased. I, I, <laughs> I love my therapist. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I've got to say, one of the highest, one of the best signs of sex positivity in therapists that I have discovered, and I'm not saying this because I'm trying to hint that any therapist listening should do this, but I do think it's wonderful, is when um, therapists refer their clients to me because they've decided that their client has reached the point where they're ready for some hands on work in a safe way and sex workers can be if you do your research and are really clear in your communication a very safe container to explore certain sexual things certainly Mm -hmm. a lot safer than swiping on tinder i can tell you um Mm -hmm. and it's really lovely and it makes me feel very safe when a psychologist or therapist gets in touch and says i have referred a client to you um they've given me permission to share this um here's what they're here's what they're working on and then i know not only that uh, we're going to have fun because the communication has been great, but they have someone else to go back to. They have another support to go back mm, to, to sort of, mm. you know, uh, talk about their experience. It's not all just on me. And that's really nice. I like that kind of teamwork. So that's mm. happened uh, once or twice. Um, mm. And there are, yeah, there are um, there are practitioners out there who, um, who are so comfortable with the idea of sex work that they can create that safety for their mm. clients. And I think that's mm. lovely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great example of, again, knowing exactly the thing that you're offering and then, you know, knowing what somebody else can offer, like, you know, uh, knowing your, the boundaries and the skills that you have doing that and then handing it over to somebody else who has, you know, boundaries and skills in, in another area, you know, and then everyone's working as a team to, you know, contribute in different ways. Teamwork. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Don't forget that we have an online membership program. Membership gives you access to videos on our website that show you how to have incredible experiences with sex workers. We even have a private Twitter feed so that you can connect with your fellow sexual adventurers. To become a member, visit satisfactionproject.com and hit the sign up button. So um, this has been a really amazing chat and we're probably getting pretty close to, um, to the end, but uh, what I sometimes do is um, I, get, I get all these anonymous questions that people send me through my website. And then um, if I've got a podcast coming up and I see one that particularly relates to what we're talking about, I save it. And then I ask the guest if they'd like to answer. And I've got one about anxiety. Would you be interested in maybe having a look at that? Sure. Yeah. Basically what this person has said is um, I've got so much anxiety about seeing a sex worker and and they say, I've lost my sexual confidence due to body issues, um, talks about like penis size and stuff like that and height. Um, and, and look, and then they say, look, I'm, I'm so frustrated sexually and I want to experiment, but uh, my anxiety means that this is a really big hurdle. I haven't had sex in ages and getting started just feels too hard. In terms of whether they should be seeing a sex worker or a therapist or both, what's your take on that? Mm. I mean, that sounds like a great um, example of, you know, both um, would be ideal uh, because I suppose that, you know, if someone was 
um, in that kind of situation, then something that a psychologist might do is, you know, explore some of those fears a bit further, explore, you know, the nature of the thoughts that they're having and kind of, you know, what might be influencing them, what underlying beliefs or experiences might be influencing them. And just giving that person a little bit more um, ability to, to kind of navigate the anxiety or, or manage the anxiety so that then they are able to plan that encounter, you know. Um, so, it, it, again, it wouldn't be about um, necessarily, uh, you know, changing all of the kind of the thoughts and the fears that are that are present, but just giving someone, empowering someone to be able to to understand and work with them a little bit more so that they can get over that hurdle and then hopefully have a really kind of positive experience that then reinforces the safety in, you know, um, in what happens. But then I guess the thing is, you know, sometimes when there are lots of fears attached to a sexual experience and someone finally does, you know, have that sexual experience. But let's just say, for example, that it doesn't go that well. They oh. they need some of those tools in their tool belt to yeah. manage that as well so that they don't start to spiral. So you just make that, it worse. Exactly. You're anxious about having a bad experience and then you have a bad experience. You just It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. Exactly, exactly. So I suppose that would be the thing to watch out for, you know, even if you if, – even if you did get to the point where you could, you'd still want to be equipped to understand, you know, how to manage those fears, how to manage your anxiety. Because it's probably not just this particular situation I would had as a guess. Like it would probably be other situations, you know. So, you know, having some more skills in your t- tool belt, it, you know, it's, it's never a bad thing and it's going to support you to, to feel more comfortable in lots of different situations overall and just kind of, you know, and then you get a lovely snowball effect because then you might, you know, feel in control and empowered in, you know, a sexual experience and that adds positively to it and then, you know, you continue on with the feedback loop. Mm, get that kind of trend going upwards rather than downwards. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like we all have anxiety around not just sex but all sorts of stuff and we all feel have self-esteem stuff, we feel we're not good enough and it's kind of, you know, whenever never get it completely get rid of those voices but you're right it sounds like if this stuff gets to the point where it is really overpowering it's you're more likely to keep going down because it's going to lead to more bad experiences so I kind of almost feel like Mm. getting some of those skills seeing a practitioner and getting some skills might be a a good idea before you jump straight in the deep end of actually being naked with someone because that could be super scary exactly like say for example if you you know if one of your um, fears or anxieties was, um, you know, uh, people are going to feel, you know, um, uh, or, or have really negative judgments about my body, you know, uh, and you're able to understand with a psychologist that that comes from maybe a really negative experience you had a, a long time ago where someone, you know, did make a really bad judgment. And so that constantly plays around in your head because of that one experience. So what's really important to recognize is that 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 plays around in your head because of that experience, not because that's necessarily what's happening in the moment. You know, mm. our brain likes to protect us from things that have been painful in the past. So it likes to tell us that the same thing, painful thing will happen again. But what we're doing is a thing called mind reading. So we're assuming that we know what another person thinks and 
And that really may not be the case at all, but we're creating that reality. We're creating that judgment, even whether that person's judging us or not. So us, it becomes real, right? Exactly, exactly. So if you worked with your psychologist to understand like, ah, I'm mind reading, that's the experience that happened in the past. It's different than what happens now. Then when you go into having a a sexual experience, even if that thought comes to mind, you can be like, ah, I know that's from the past. And I don't actually know that that is what the sex worker is thinking right now when they're looking at me, you know, I don't know that for sure, you know, and that might create just enough safety and just enough of a buffer to make it a a positive experience. That was so much stuff. My brain is just like exploding right now. I imagine people who aren't used to, um, talking to therapists, their brains are probably exploding too. Yeah. Um, look, um, I would love to firstly thank you. Like that was just a really deep dive. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your thoughts on this. Um, I really hope that we've given some listeners maybe a bit of food for thought around what what um, issues or problems or feelings they might want to bring to their workers and what they might want to maybe bring to their therapist. And I would love for people to find out more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about where people can find you and the work that you do? Yeah, sure. Well, um, first of all, thank you. I, I also really enjoyed the conversation. I can talk for days about, about this topic. So, ah, so um, good. yeah, so much fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you can find me on um, SHIP's website. So that's shippsychology.com.au. Um, you can also check out our Instagram at SHIP Psychology. Um, it's really good. We, Thank you. Yeah, we post a lot of um, a lot of content regularly for for community members. So if you're kind of thinking about therapy but not quite ready, then it can be a great place to kind of to get resources. Um, we also have a Facebook page and a LinkedIn page if if you're on either of those. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And I'd highly recommend the Instagram. There's some really useful and thought provoking stuff on there. Um, it's a it's a definitely a good read. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much for your time. It's just really appreciated and I hope we cross paths again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing and, you know, for having, you know, putting all the work into such a wonderful podcast. I think that, you know, um, it's it's wonderful to to have communities of, of, you know, thought leaders and thought provokers. So, um, yeah, thank you for the work that you do. That's the first time anyone's ever called me a thought leader. I'll take that. I'll take that. It's good. Yeah, Today's a good day. It. Run with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Catch you later. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. If you want to become an expert client, head on over to the website satisfactionproject.com for more articles, your questions answered, and exclusive member-only content. After all, wise clients are the best clients. Stick with us and you'll be well on your way to having those peak experiences with sex workers that make life worth living.